Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. When you're starting a business or even working for somebody else like in corporate, like I think a lot of people think that all that matters is how smart you are and how well you can do the technical aspects of your job. So if you're smart, you've got it made. Well, I think there's more to it than that, Elizabeth. I think if you want to succeed in business, it takes more than technical ability. And if you don't treat people well, then I don't think you're going to get very far. Oh, you mean like being terrible to your waiter at the restaurant and getting ignored (laughs) the rest of the night? (laughs) Not that we have any experience with that. But our guest tonight is Susan Asher, an expert in the field of EQ or emotional intelligence. Welcome, Susan. Thank you so much for having me having me, Elizabeth and Richard, it's a pleasure. Tell us just exactly what is emotional intelligence. So we all know what IQ is, right? It's how smart somebody is, whether they're part of Mensa, whether they get high scores on their SATs, et cetera, et cetera. But what emotional intelligence is, is knowing how to treat people. It's knowing how to contain your emotions in the heat of passion when you're upset about something. It's knowing how to really turn lemons into lemonade and make people feel good about what they do. It's about leadership, and it's the really the number one indicator of success for entrepreneurs. One other little factoid is that research carried out by the Carnegie Institute of Technology shows that 85% of your financial success is due to skills in human engineering, your personality, the ability to communicate, negotiate, and lead. Shockingly, only 15% is due to your technical skill. Oh my gosh, no wonder. We're in trouble, aren't we? (laughs) We're in trouble. (laughs) So why do you think that is? I think it's because, well, especially in the world today where we're all tethered to our technology, the ability to communicate with someone, you know, I always quote Maya Angelou, the famous philosopher, it's not what you tell me, you know, how great your product is and what it does, but it's how you make me feel when you're making that presentation. And what need does it satisfy? Well, right? And, and need, that's an emotional term. That's an emotional term. So definitely, you know, that's a gimme. It's like you're an attorney. Elizabeth, you're a chief marketing officer. You have to be skilled at what you do. That's a gimme. However, if you are not nice to people, there are many other people doing what you, Elizabeth, and I are doing, you know, individually. So... They can go to any other executive coach if I don't treat them well. They can go to any other intellectual property attorney if they don't like you. So likability is a huge factor when it comes to EQ. I think so. And I think a lot of people view attorneys as arrogant in general. And we really try hard not to come across that way. I'm not an attorney, but Richard tries really hard just to be one-on-one with people. Like they're just the same as he is and not... Like he's a well, lot smarter. I'll tell you what I think the secret to that is, is it's, it's really having a respect for everyone that comes to see you as a client. And no matter whether they're a Fortune 500 company or a beginning entrepreneur just starting out, unsure of themselves, unsure of their idea, everyone deserves to be listened to and heard and encouraged. And I think that's one of the key parts about gaining trust with your clients is really being a good listener and understanding what they need. Absolutely. And again, I use the word likability. I do a lot of coaching and professional services and accountants and lawyers in particular will think, well, I'm so good technically at what I do that, you know, anybody's going to want to hire my firm uh, because I'm a partner there and I'm just great at what I do. The reality is, is that 
our businesses, regardless of what we're doing, they are built on relationships. And we want to do business with people, A, who are qualified, but B, who like us and who we like and that we get along with and, as you said, have respect for. So how do you know if you have a high EQ? Or a low EQ. It's really hard to understand who you are and see yourself, right? How do you learn about this? So interesting, in my profession, when I'm working with a client within a corporation, very often they will ask for a 360 performance review. And what that does is the individual sets out who their stakeholders are. And stakeholders would be their superiors, their colleagues on their level. It could be their suppliers. It could be the people that work for them. Assessments get sent out to everyone. And when those assessments come back, we can see what the weaknesses are. And sometimes it's communication. Sometimes it could be bullying. It could be a number of things. Sometimes they come back great. But what these assessments look at are really five indicators in in general. And I'm not talking that every uh, assessment looks at these. But when we look at EQ, we are looking at improved self-awareness. We're looking at more effective communication. We're looking at control over your emotions. We're looking at identifying customer needs more effectively. And then finally, when your company goes from a solopreneur situation to one where you start to have people working for you, where you can unify your team through enhanced leadership. And that's the ability to read people, to know who has what strength where, we play to that, who has what weakness where, we downgrade that, and we look at something else that they are strong in. And that's really what emotional intelligence, it's not that hard, but it's huge in the corporate world. It's huge for entrepreneurs, because without that, you cannot forge the relationships that are going to help you build and grow your business. I have a question for you. Your first point I think is a very good one and I think it's a very difficult one for pretty much everybody and that is how do other people see you and what you're doing like if if you tell somebody oh go away and leave me alone some people will just laugh and say okay what's wrong and some people will, like want to cry well, certainly that, that's really bad behavior Elizabeth if people yeah. talk like that and they do by the way I mean we should be treating people not we talked about this not the golden rule do unto others as you would wish to have done to you but do unto others as they would wish to have done to them. So that's knowing your people. And when you're a leader, you should know your people. You should take the time to know that Sarah may be very strong in time management, whereas Tom may be the more creative type and he may need more coaching in that particular area. So that's really what EQ defines when it comes to any business person, and especially when you're starting a company. But if you don't have the 360, what can you do to kind of try to see how people react to you? Is there a way to read people's reactions that you found to be very powerful? What would you suggest? Well, first of all, I would suggest one-on-ones. And it's also, I'm working with someone right now where she is going to have a one-on-one with her superior who is always criticizing her, cannot find one thing that she does right, even though she is doing very well at her job and is up for a promotion. So this is just a boss that just doesn't understand that, you know, riding someone like that is really not enhancing her performance. Maybe if she came at her and gave her some compliments, and we all know this, we all know that when someone compliments you, that you do better. Positive reinforcement definitely turns into positivity within the workplace. It's just that we do live in a world of a lot of negativity, of a lot of things that are really hurting people coming to work and hurting their emotions, but we have to keep them in check while we're in the workplace. That almost should be 
it almost could be a refuge if you have the right leader. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Susan Asher and Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart. We'll be right back after this message. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearhart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearhart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearhartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest this evening, Susan Asher. We asked the pitchers that are here in the studio what they wanted feedback on from Susan. And they talked about the leadership and what do you do with the culture? What do you do with employees that don't really fit? When someone doesn't fit, it's like buying a stock and seeing it go down and hanging on and hanging on and thinking it's going to come back. We have to have that intuition. That's another part of EQ is the ability to be intuitive. Does it work 100% of the time? Of course not, but it works a lot to be intuitive. But one of the things that I think plays into this is that we have to have the control over our emotions and we have to understand that if we have to let someone go because they don't fit into the culture or they're not doing their job or for whatever reason they don't fit into the company, we have to be able to present that. I had to fire many people when I owned my contract staffing business. Some of them got fired for they didn't perform, some because the assignment was over. But the presentation, you know, my mom used to say it's the tone that makes the music. The word oh, you can say oh, oh, oh. Oh, so and it's yeah. the same thing when you're presenting, <laughs> or, oh. or oh, and so, the look on your face the, too. So right? all of the, yeah, that's now we're talking into body. I mean, this is all components of what level of emotional quotient you really have. So we have to have control over our emotions, and we have to know that sometimes when you have to let someone go. You do it in such a way that when they walk out of the office, they actually thank you because you know that they weren't happy there for whatever reason. Maybe it wasn't you. Maybe it wasn't the company, but they just weren't happy. So it's being able to recognize that, take swift action, and be able to do it in such a way that the person leaves feeling that you've done it the correct way because guess what? We want to do that because when they leave, you know they're going to tell other people. It's like Macy's taking back something that you bought at Bloomingdale's because they know if they do, you're going to go and tell everybody how great Macy's is. So Right. And another point that Carolyn brought up was that you have to be the example. You can't ask them to work till 10 o'clock at night if you go out to dinner, like you leave and go out to dinner. Exactly. you got to be there working right alongside them. And I kind of laughed because we had an employee who I would always make a big deal out of, you know, we did this. We were here working all Saturday. We came to the law firm on Sunday, da, da, da. And he finally left and he said, I just can't work the hours you guys do. And we don't ask our employees to work on weekends. That was the funny thing. Like they only have to work during the week, but even he couldn't work that hard during the week. Well, then he wasn't a match. A question came up earlier, I think about, I think Richard said something about how do we know or how do we improve our emotional intelligence? 
there are three ways that I think work. And one is that we read to lead. If you can find a book, or there are many out there, of other people who are great leaders in the world. And I always say to people when I'm asking them to read something, because we're all so busy, you don't have to read the 600-page book, but you can look through chapters that make sense to you that you can get some help from. But reading materials from top performers in other industries and other companies is very, very helpful. You can see what they did when they came to a quagmire. So you have written two very good books. What are the titles of your books? Dude, seriously, it's not all about you. <laughs> and when I wrote That's the it, title of the book. <laughs> she wasn't saying that to Elizabeth. No, no. And actually, when I wrote that book- But and, she was looking at me. <laughs> when, I, when I wrote that book, and it was published in 2011, I mean, we really barely used the term EQ. It was hardly, But that book is the EQ book. The second one is, dude, seriously, get your ask. Yes, people, it's A-S-K. We are trying to be adult-like here. <laughs> get your ask in gear. So what does that refer to? That refers to the leadership aspect of who we are as people. What do we have to ask ourselves to lead in the new millennium? Because it's a very different leadership. Millennials, technology, distractions, you name it. But going back to how we improve it. So we read to lead. We listen and practice empathy. You know, somebody told me the other day, I know, but I hate it when I have to write an email. I just want to write, hi, Richard, did you get that information for me? But the way you should write it is, good morning, Richard. How was your weekend? Or hope your week is doing well. I know it takes an extra one second. That's an example of EQ. So practice that empathy. Treat who you're talking to, customer, client, supplier, or employee. They all get treated the same. And finally, and this is not a pitch, but I, I know how helpful it is, find yourself a coach or a mentor. The problem with mentors is we don't generally pay them, so you know you get what you pay for. But find yourself someone who can look at you and assess you objectively and tell you and show you what you need to be working on. Sounds like great advice. What is your favorite story, Susan, of somebody who started with a low EQ and gradually through work or circumstance became a high EQ person? Yes, I did have a client like that, and he actually was from Russia. He came to this country and went to Villanova, so English was his second language. He wasn't quite the CMO, but he's in a very high-level marketing role. But when he had a meeting, he'd walk into the meeting, and even though all of his staff was there... He already had the answers to what they needed to do. Yeah. Super nice guy, extremely abrasive, but the issue also with him is that it carried over into his personal life. So what we worked on with him was the pause principle. There's a very good book out there, uh, and that refers to the fact that no marathon was ever won by sprinting out of the gate, nor is any career ever elevated by doing things quickly. Sometimes we have to pause. We definitely have to listen. We have to bite our tongue, and we have to give other people a chance to have the floor. Then and only then can we comment and make the final decision, because as leaders, we do have to make the final decision. Sometimes they're unpopular. It's just the nature of being a leader. Not all the time, but sometimes. We may have to get a new piece of technology. Oh, well, we have a new piece. We don't want to use it. But the thing with this gentleman was that he had the best intentions, but he just needed to get out of his own way. He needed to listen. He needed to empathize, and he needed to really be more constructive in the criticism that he gave his people. Was he able to learn that? And he was that? able to. He was able to. And there were times that he would catch himself, and that's what happens. 
it takes a lot, and it is something that he's going to have to work on for life. Well, there are a lot of things that people have to work on for life. (laughs) That's true. That's true. But it's really, we have to be aware. We have to be aware. And dude, seriously, it's not all about you. That's really what you have to remind yourself. It's about the people around you. It's about the people that serve you and that you serve as a leader. I'd like to talk for a minute about resilience. I think one of the things that entrepreneurs learn is they have to be resilient. And I'm sure it spills over into any type of professional endeavor. There's good times, there's bad times. But when times are tough, I often think of emotional intelligence as having the wherewithal to kind of crawl out of those difficult times. So sometimes when you were out there doing your recruiting job, you were doing really well. You were getting a lot of interest, maybe making a lot of placements, but other times it was kind of slow, right? right? And so the thing is that I think, and I even to this day, and I'm sure you feel that way, we all do. Anybody who's running a business knows that it's not 150% every day of the year. So there are peaks and valleys, another great book, Peaks and Valleys. We wouldn't know what a peak feels like if we hadn't been in the valley. The other thing you have to remember is that every door that closes brings you one door closer to the one that's going to open, and you just have to keep asking. Oh, I love that. You know, that's why you have business owners and entrepreneurs and CEOs, and that's why you have everybody else. And we do need those people, but you have to have the resilience. You have to keep going even in the face of adversity. There are so many different things that go into EQ. I think if somebody wants to scrape the tip of the iceberg, they should get your book and read about it and talk to you if they need more help with it. We're coming to the end of this part of the show, but it's been fantastic. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart with our special guest, Susan Asher on WOR 710. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearhart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearHeartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law. www.GearHeartLaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protecting and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest this evening, Susan Asher, who's all about emotional intelligence. Now it's time for the pitch part of the show. But before we start, some vital info. Listeners, when you are listening to these pitches, please think about which one you like best and go to the Passage to Profit page on the Gearheart Law website and vote for your favorite one. You have to scroll down, though, to find the voting part. That's right, and that's Gearheart Law, G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W, and everyone gets one vote, and the voting is open for four days until Thursday at 8 p.m. Don't forget to like us, too, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So get your friends to vote, put this out on your social media, and win the contest. And if you can't remember the name, just tell your friends to imagine walking down a passage with a big pot of gold at the end. Passage to Profit. 
And may your passage be short and your profit be huge. Each contestant gets two minutes to pitch, followed by a discussion with our guests and us. The overall best vote getter gets a professionally produced video of their pitch, a $500 value. And it goes on our YouTube channel. So let's get started. I am so happy to welcome back one of the firm clients. She works with David Postolsky. Carolyn Barberite, she was here a year ago. Her show aired on August 12th, and she has made incredible progress since then, and she is going to tell us all about it. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Carolyn Barberite, and I am the creator and president of Java Melts. Java Melts are individually wrapped flavored sweeteners for a coffee, tea, espresso, cappuccino. They're 5 grams of sugar, 20 calories, non-dairy, certified gluten-free, non-GMO. They're shelf-stable for over a year. We created the product. I was sitting down having a cup of coffee with my husband on Valentine's Day a few years back, and he had asked if I wanted uh, him to go and get a specialty cup of coffee. It was cold, so I said, absolutely not. And on the counter next to me, he had left individually wrapped candy hearts for me and my three daughters. And I made the immediate connection. I had that aha moment. I said, oh, my gosh, I have the craziest idea. Wouldn't it be incredible if I could pick up this candy, open it up, which is now Java Melts, and drop it into my coffee or tea and give it a stir, and it would taste special and delicious. So I've gone to market. Obviously, I was here last year. We do have a website, javamelts.com. I, since then, launched on Amazon, and I will be returning on QVC at the end of September for my second airing. I'm very excited about it. Wow. How many are you selling now? We've moved over a million units of Java Melts since the start, and I have a co-packer that works you know, very well with us, and as we grow, he is on board for mass growth, so it's... Super exciting. Wow, that's fantastic. So congratulations on your success. It's Thank so, you. So fantastic to hear about everything that you're doing. So what are you, you mentioned that you have plans to scale. How are you going to go about doing that? Well, when I originally thought of Java Melts, I knew, you know, at the very beginning that I was going to have to have a plan to scale and that we wouldn't be able to go to market without uh, aligning ourselves with the right co-packer that would have the knowledge and the ability to grow as we grew. And, you know, I aligned myself. I, I brought people on to my team with a vast amount of knowledge in the coffee and tea industry and the co-packing and distribution. And, you know, I'm very blessed and grateful that they've hung in there with us through the trials and tribulations because in the beginning, you know, you get an order and it might be you get short little spurts of orders and your mass growth doesn't come for quite some time. I've worked, you know, with potential customers for maybe a year and a half and then they'll circle back. Ironically, that happened to me yesterday. And you just never know when the big orders will come. So we've thankfully aligned ourselves with the right people who have the right equipment and the knowledge to grow as we grow. So it's really a good setup. Carolyn, we were talking about your patents. Yes. And can you tell everybody what you did? Yeah. Originally, when we first started Java Melts, I did a lot of market research and I put myself out there. And when I realized, I mean, I always knew that we had something really special. But when I realized the reaction that we were getting from the people in the industry, we decided to protect ourselves. Obviously, we came to you and we filed for utility patent in the United States. So within the year, almost a year to the date 
of that initial filing, you had circled back and reminded us that if there was ever a chance that we would be taking the product outside of the country in the global market, that it would be a good idea to file for the 18-month time period for the foreign ability to file in foreign countries. So I'm very grateful and happy to say that I have been contacted by people in South Africa, New Zealand, and Australia who have interest in Java Melts and having distribution in those countries prior to you coming to me. So it was pretty much an easy decision for us to go ahead and file the appropriate documentation so that we can eventually, down the road, file the utility patent in the countries that we think might be interested. Carolyn, I just want to ask you this business about scaling a product like this. Can yes. you go through that a little bit for us? Sure. So initially, again, with Java Melts, it's not like I was going to make a hundred and stop, okay? We knew we were eventually going to have to make thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, and billions eventually down the road. So because of that, I reached out. They have these amazing entrepreneur mentors at like Cornell, Penn State, and Rutgers University. So I found out about them. And I contacted, I went on their websites and I Googled the heck out of, you know, how do I find somebody who can find me a co-packer? I need help. So I was resourceful. I asked a ton of questions. So I connected with these people who gave me a list. And on this list was the most amazing man. And I didn't know it at the time, but I really did strike gold because I connected with a gentleman. His name is Ricardo Cadero. And he is a very, very well-known, highly respected co-packing broker in the New York metro area. And I left him a detailed message. And it essentially basically said, my name's Carolyn Barberite. I found you on the Entrepreneurial Mentor website. I have a product and I cannot go to market with this product unless I'm able to scale it quickly because I'm not afraid that when I introduce it to the public that it won't catch. I'm actually afraid that when it catches, I won't be able to keep up with production. And I would really be appreciative of a quick phone call back. So true story. He played my message back and he was in the middle of moving locations from Dumbo, Brooklyn to the financial like Wall Street area. And they were in amongst chaos at the time. And he listens to my message and he says to his team, you have to listen to this lady. What the heck is going on? So he plays my message and he said he was so intrigued by my willingness to put myself out there and my confidence, he had to know more. So Carolyn, can you explain what co-packing is? Yeah, so essentially it's just a commercial kitchen and manufacturing facility to mass produce products. They manufacture my product, they package it, and currently they do pick and pack and they will ship out to QVC or Amazon to the warehouses for me. And I have a javamelts.com as well. And we're kind of like a tag team, but it's all food safe certified SQF. And it has to be because we sell to a vast majority of large companies and distributors. So it's important to have all of those certifications. That's great. I am so happy for you. Thank this you. This is just amazing. A lot happened in a year. Thank you. I have a I have a long way to go still, but I feel very accomplished so far. And Java Melt is really a way for me to inspire my children and show them what hard work and perseverance can do if you're really willing to put in the work. And it's incredible. And thank you very much for the opportunity to come back 
and share my news with everybody. I'm very, very grateful. Well, we want to hear what's going on with Amazon after you've been on there for a while. So we'll for sure have you back. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks, Thank Carolyn. You. You're listening to Richard Elizabeth Gerhart with our special guest, Susan Asher on WOR 710. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley's the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, Contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And if you have just tuned in, we're in the middle of our pitch portion. We're going on to our second pitch. But if you have not heard the first part of the show, the podcast comes out tomorrow. I highly encourage you to listen to this incredible advice from our specialist, Susan Asher. But right now, we're going to have our pitch with Jason Trevetti with the Dury. Welcome, Jason. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. You have two minutes. Go. I'm Jason Trevetti, founder and CEO of Aduri. We're a wellness technology company developing products and content to help people live life with more happiness, clarity, and balance. We've developed the world's first tech-enabled meditation cushion paired with an app interface and a content subscription. What that means is that our cushion provides gentle haptic vibrations that guide breathing and focus, and we pair that with all sorts of integrated content, so anything from guided meditations, music, and soundscapes. On top of that, we have a community layer. So let's say all of us are in different areas of the country. We can all sync the cushions together and meditate together virtually, building that group accountability, sort of like a running buddy or a yoga buddy, uh, et cetera. You can think of us similarly to the Peloton for meditation. You brought one with you. It's really neat. And you control everything from your phone, mm -hmm. right? So you could email everybody or text everybody or something, or maybe through the app, tell everybody, we're going to do this meditation at this time today. Everybody get your pillows ready. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay. our, our approach to community is uh, called circles. And so these circles are a small collective group of your closest personal meditation friends and someone sets the goal for the entire session. It runs a certain time period and everyone just keeps this sort of like collaborative gaming almost where everyone's trying to hit uh, the same collective goal. So what is the sensation like when you're sitting on the pillow? Is it like magic fingers for <laughs> your meditation? <laughs> or? <I don't> <laughs> so so it's, uh, it's, it's designed to be very subtle. We've taken apart so many different types of products that have vibration capabilities and just connected with as many uh, sourcing manufacturers that create different types of vibration motors to really figure out what sort of hertz level and frequency and size and price um, that we should incorporate in this product. That's really great. I used to meditate a lot. I stopped because I wasn't getting any benefit from it, but maybe with the haptic pillow, I would get better results. But I do recall that there are some meditation groups that meditate on a global basis and they do pick particular times when everybody sits together and meditates on the same mantras or the same things 
And it's a very kind of spiritual experience for the people who participate in that. I did try it once, and I don't know what it was, but I did feel a little bit of extra energy from that part. So this is a great way to connect people in their meditation experience. So where are you right now in your journey? Are you selling these from your website? Are you on Amazon or anything? Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. So last month, we just finished our uh, Kickstarter campaign, over 100% funded. We're continuing to take pre-orders from the excitement and the outreach that we've gotten from from that uh, on our website right now. And we will be continuing that our product uh, will be delivered in the spring of 2020. Uh, we're working with a really experienced manufacturer based in China. And yeah, so right now we're fundraising at the same time. And there's a whole bunch of just content development and manufacturing and product development, etc. So what inspired you to start this? I mean, how did you come up with the idea and what was your motivation? Eight years ago, I had a pretty bad anxiety attack that left me on the floor of my apartment. And because of that, I took a leave of absence from work for a week. And from that point, one of my friends introduced me to his meditation teacher, thinking that that could be one way I could help manage my stress and anxiety. From that practice, I usually just shun meditation. But from her teaching me, I immediately got absorbed into the practice and what it could do for me in my life. And one of the biggest things I struggled with during that time, because that was also the rise of uh, meditation apps and when they were becoming really popular. And the biggest thing I struggled with was maintaining consistency. Because, I mean, you can you can hit the gym once a month. You probably won't see any results from that. Same thing with meditation. Right. You have to be consistent in order to see the results. And I... I kept on falling off on and off. It's like a seasonal thing. And what kind of results did you get from your practice? So I think the biggest thing is noticing that gap in how you react versus responding to things. It's a very hard practice to quantitatively say like, oh, my heart rate variability is X uh, percent better than uh, last week. It's more of like, okay, how am I responding to things? How am I managing my own emotions? To Susan's point, how are you empathizing with somebody? That's very important. And Meditation is a great practice to really learn to see things from other people's perspectives. But it's different for every person, right? I mean, oh, different yeah. people have different experiences. Mm -hmm. They get different results. Right? Exactly. Everyone's life journey is totally different. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that. And we were talking earlier about emotional intelligence. So meditation obviously has helped you. And what you're looking to do is help other people to sort of pause and take that moment and build that awareness of their emotions and kind of keep them in check. I mean, so what else will that pillow do? Is it just that you're taking that time? Obviously, the vibrations, haptic. Do we know what haptic means? I just used that. It's like a the, it's a yes, tactic. I know. It, yes, it's, it's, it's like when, you know, touching people, right? Yeah. So, but is that what it is that makes people feel better in the meditation? Or is that the thing that triggers you to build the awareness that you have to stop what you're doing and meditate. It is that structure, that formalized structure to help guide your breathing and your breath work so that your body can prepare and your mind can prepare itself to do that inner work of meditation. How much does something like this cost? Our cushion will retail for $1.99 and our content subscription is a three-tiered system. So there's a freemium version, there's a basic version which gives access to the entire content library, and then there's a premium version which is $14.99. And what that really incorporates is the community feature of syncing our cushions, biometric integration, so working with your Apple Watch or your Fitbit, we can understand what your breathing rate is, and then adapt the haptic vibrations to your personal profile, as well as using AI to curate the content for you 
based on your intentions of coming into the practice. So let's say you're coming into the practice, you want a better management of your stress or your emotional intelligence or loving compassion. We can craft the narrative of your journey with that content around the teacher. My other question is, I know how you triggered this product that you developed, but what were you doing before then? Were you in technology? What were you doing? What what is your background? Yeah, so my background is in uh, innovation and strategy consulting, uh, media entrepreneurship, and mobile product management. I led the product team at one of the fastest growing, they're just on Inc.'s fastest growing companies this year, Blue Label Labs, uh, one of the biggest mobile app development agencies in the country, grew their product team from, I was their first hire, to about 10, 15 product managers at my time. And then I left that to start grad school studying interactive technology. Where'd you go? Where'd you go to grad uh, school? NYU ITP. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was getting sick of just tapping phones and I wanted to create, (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to create an actual product. No wonder you wanted to meditate. (laughs) But this is amazing to me because this is the future. Like we always talk about this. Oh, the show is about the future, but this really is something new, like very new. A lot of criticism I get is why do you have technology in like meditation? And if you look at technology, Technology as a tool, that's really what it is. A meditation cushion that has been used for thousands of years is a tool. It's used to reduce that pressure on your back. Technology is the same thing. Mobile apps is the same thing. The number of people that have meditated in this country has tripled over the last five years. And that's 100% because of the improved accessibility of meditation apps. Now, what we're trying to do is go beyond accessibility and to actually deliver outcomes. That's where that physical, tangible, intimate relationship with the cushion actually comes into play. Where is it sold now? Where are you finding your biggest market for this? In terms of scaling, I think over the last year, we've been able to compile a really great team that come from industrial designers, from industrial design houses, from Karim Rashid, West Elm, content producers from Equinox and Skyting Yoga, Keen Home Branding. We've been able to really get some amazing rock stars on our team. Now, using that as a framework, it is really trying to figure out the right strategic partner. So with this Kickstarter, that was one of our main portals of how we've gotten. Well, yeah, I was going to ask, how did you get the financing? Did you have an angel investor? Yeah. Yeah, So we actually raised uh, about 150K last year from Rough Draft Ventures, uh, the NYC Media Lab, and NYU Summer Launchpad. We went through their accelerators as well. And we're currently fundraising our second pre-seed round right now, which is about halfway subscribed. And we've been getting a lot of interest from boutique hotels and wellness clubs and co-working spaces and companies And so that is one avenue we've been getting interest from, also working with insurance companies and being listed as a uh, a mental health product that could be helped to be subsidized by the employer um, as well. That's really interesting. And I think also, if I could just say, I think the fact that you outdid your goal on Kickstarter gives you a lot of credibility when you go looking for money or looking for customers for this, right? Exactly, yeah. So your website is aduri, A-D-U-R-I dot C-O. Leave the M off, it's dot C-O. And if they want to find out more about you, they can go there, right? Yep. You are listening to Passage to Profit on WOR 710 with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest, Susan Asher. We'll be right back. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearhart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearhart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' 
ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest this evening, Susan Asher. And if you're just tuning in, make sure you go to the Gearhart Law website at the Passage to Profit page. You can hear the previous part of the show on our podcast, which will be posted tomorrow. And we have all sorts of great stories about entrepreneurism, information that you don't want to miss if you're an entrepreneur. But now we're on to our third and final pitch, Charisse Torres, also a client from Gearheart Law. Charisse, you have two minutes for your pitch. Go. Hello, my name is Charisse Torres. I am Dr. Elise Bourne Busby, and I'm Ethel Edwards. And together we invented Memory Ties, patented training shoelaces that remember. Tying shoelaces is a complex skill to master, especially for those who have special needs or difficulty with their fine motor skills. Individuals with poor fine motor skills often have challenges coordinating the movements to tie their own laces because of how easily traditional shoelaces flop over, which causes confusion and frustration. When frustration normally peaks, often families choose a no-tie solution, which doesn't teach the important skill of shoelace tying. And shoelace tying transfers over to being able to fasten clothing, footwear, and other things that we interact daily. Memory ties are made with revolutionary memory technology that allow them to remain where they're positioned longer than traditional shoelaces, virtually creating a roadmap before the learner's eyes. The memory properties provide learners with more time to plan their movements and the confidence to form loops that stay. Learners encounter less visual confusion, which eliminates the worry of losing their place and makes going from step to step much easier. This frustration-free shoelace tying experience helps with recalling the steps they learn while developing key fine motor skills. As a training tool, memory ties are perfect for shoe models, practice boards, and practice cards. And with each use, memory ties becomes more flexible, more pliable, feeling more and more like traditional shoelaces. This makes memory ties ideal for practicing and advancing shoelace tying skills before a learner transitions to traditional laces. They come in attractive, solid color choices and a red and yellow bicolor option that are laced on individual practice cards. They're manufactured by hand by us and therapeutic and educational benefits make them an easy choice for anyone wanting a secret weapon to developing shoelace tying skills. I wish they'd had those when I was growing up. I, <laughs> I, I just want to tell you right now, I love the invention, but I gave up on tying my shoes a long time ago. <laughs> I didn't really forget. It's just sometimes I have a little trouble bending over and tying <laughs> But no, it's great to have you on the show, Charisse. I remember it's been a few years since the first time we met at our offices in Summit, New Jersey. And I remember your enthusiasm for the product and you were so excited about how this could really help a lot of people who have challenges.
challenges. And I'm so proud to see that you've come so far on your entrepreneurial journey. And what's the name of your website? MemoryTiesLace.com. So where did the idea first come from? Well, I'm an occupational therapist and I work with children with disabilities, children on the spectrum, autism spectrum disorder that have motor disabilities. And one of the things for parents is that they would like their children to learn this skill so that they can participate in group sports and not be ostracized by having their parent tie their laces for them so that they can have some normalcy and also fit in which is a big part of, you know, having children be included into particular sports groups or activities. The unique thing about your product is that the shoelaces actually can stand up straight pretty much by themselves, right? How did you accomplish that? Well, I came up with a formula of different adhesives, waxes, and fabrics, along with my aunt and mom. You know, we all chimed in on what kinds of things would be useful because wire was something we initially toyed with, but that's dangerous for children and also it conducts... Electricity. (laughs) Not a good idea. You want your kid to get zapped while they're practicing their shoelaces. So we had to think out of the box. And with my aunt's knowledge of fabrics and the way different materials move and work together, we created the composition, the inner composition, the core, that helps it have its rigidity and firmness. And why do you have different color laces? Our bicolor option has its two sided has one yellow and one red and this helps with children that confuse the laces so they can take the red lace and the yellow and follow it visually and it makes it easier for them to go from one step to the next the other colors are children friendly and they allow for different options based on desire choice preference the big question i've had for all of you today is this ability to scale you mentioned that you your mom your aunt you actually make these laces yourselves correct okay so what happens when you get your first big order on amazon for a million laces well (laughs) first of all she goes out and has a party (laughs) celebration absolutely so scaling is something that we're definitely working towards we're trying to develop the partnerships and networking with individuals that'll help us go down the route where we can buy the specialty equipment so that we can mass produce it and have it meet orders as such. We talked also earlier about your digital media strategy. Do you have one or are you planning on one? Where is that? Because I think with the kind of product that you have here and millennials and Xers with the children that they have, the age groups that we're talking about, you have a huge market for this, but how are you going to get to that market? How are people going to know about this? I I think really targeting social media is going to be our go-to goal. We got some advice when we were talking earlier that doing some Instagram, some more videos, you know, going on Facebook and things like that, getting people involved and just showing how they're actually using the tool with their parents, with their children. How Um, about YouTube? Yes, YouTube. Absolutely. That's a good one Mm -hmm. for sure. Just taking advantage of those um, different platforms. I mean, I think that has to be a big component right now of you getting the word out because it's not enough just to go and tell the local kids' shoe store that you're doing this or your occupation, which I think is extremely important. But I think from what you're saying here today, it's such a novel idea. There must be such a need for it, especially with everything that we know about autism and kids on the spectrum. And you got to get the word out there and you got to get it out on social media. 100%. I agree completely. Do you have any examples or stories of children who've 
used your product and you've seen some sort of difference? Oh, absolutely. Not only with myself working as a therapist, but I've had different occupational therapists write into me and let me know that they've been working on this skill for, I mean, several months with children that have challenges with motor planning and memory. And when they use the bicolor memory ties, it cut down their learning time in half. So the child was able to actually go through the steps in that first 30-minute session and recall it the next time they came back. So I think it's a phenomenal product, and it's definitely going to impact the rate and the quality of how children learn shoelace tying. So do you, all three of you, want to keep making this yourselves or would you want to license it to a shoe company? That's a good question. It's definitely something that we have to kind of discuss and think more about. But licensing would definitely be an option. It can definitely reach more people and more distributors and things like that for us. I think currently, because we're working so close, we just have to meet the right set of people to help us get to that next step. Yeah, they like to see proof of concept. So I think your idea of trying to slowly build the business and sell it, and maybe you could do a Kickstarter or something, and then maybe license it would work for you. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So do you make this product like in your kitchen? Is that where you is that where you where you boil the boil the stuff and you throw the shoelaces in? Is that how it works? Yeah, well we start in the kitchen because the formula has a, a heated component and then uh, we end in the living room where we're actually kind of creating the shoelace and creating the inner core and inserting it into the outer sheath. Well, that's a true entrepreneurial <laughs> startup. <laughs> you, meet the, you meet the definition right there. So have you sold some of these? Yes. We sell them at MemoryTiesLace.com, and we have a lot of different people buying from all over the country, and um, we're seeing a good response, but we definitely need to get the word out there more and share it with more and more people. I also might add, you know, one of the things I'm thinking about is maybe there's a way that you can think about getting involved on a panel or as a speaking engagement, talking about your occupational therapy, and you'll excuse the pun, tying in. <laughs> oh, no, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what does EQ say about that? <laughs> uh, no, but but I, I think if you could sort of, you could pitch that in a very low-keyed way, somehow be on a panel. I think what you have is a great product, and I think it would be great if you can find the avenues through, as Carolyn said earlier, networking, continue to make that bigger, make that part of your project, and make the social media. You know, I'm very focused on that with this because I just think it's a great product, and I think that you know the world could be your oyster if you really go after it in that respect. Thank you. A quick story about the validity of this product. At one of our OT conferences, we met a woman with one hand who had not been able to tie a shoelace, and she used our product and did it. Oh, I'm going to cry. Right Fabulous. We are extremely proud that we know it can work. That yeah. is incredible. Now, that's a good YouTube story. Yeah, that's, that's, a a good that's, story. You, that's a YouTube story, yeah. Well, Sharice, unfortunately, we have to end now. We're so thrilled that you're moving forward with your project, and uh, we hope to have you back again soon. So you're listening to Passage to Profit on WOR 710, the voice of New York. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with 
premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearHeartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.GearheartLaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. I love the different types of projects we get, the different people. I feel like it's a real slice of America and smart America. And smart America. <laughs> and America with good EQ, too, right? <laughs> <laughs> so remember, everyone, to go to the Passage to Profit page at Gerhart Law. Dot com. That's G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W. And vote for your favorite project. So to summarize, we had Carolyn Barbright with Java Melts, J-A-V-A-M-E-L-T-S dot com. We had Jaisal Trevetti with Aduri.co, the meditation pillow, A-D-U-R-I dot C-O. And we had Sharice Torres with the memory laces. And her website is www.memoryties, T-I-E-S, lace. Dot com. And our guest is Susan Asher, Susan at SusanAsher.com. That's A-S-C-H-E-R. Now grab your cell phone or jump to your desktop computer and Google Passage to Profit and make your choice. Remember, you can only vote once and you have until next Thursday at 8 p.m. to vote. The best overall vote getter for the show will receive a professionally produced video of their pitch, a $500 value. And before we sign off, I want to say thanks to everybody who came into the studio today. It's really always fun doing these recordings in here. Absolutely. And before we leave, though, I'd like to ask Susan Asher, our guest, for her final parting words of EQ wisdom. <laughs> well, I would say, and I'm, I am very impressed by all of your guests, as well as both of you. There was a lot of clapping after every pitch. There was a lot of back padding and uh, kudos given to one another, which, uh, which is great because on some level you are competitors, but... We, we all want to support ourselves, and that shows me that you have a high degree of emotional intelligence that you can take out into the marketplace with anyone that you meet. And I just feel very honored to have been in all of your presence today, and I want to thank you, Elizabeth and Richard, for having me. Well, thank you for coming. And I would like to thank a few more people, our media maven, Kenya Gibson, our wonderful producer, Noah Fleischman, who comes running in and keeps us on track when we're bad, and Rob Barrett, who he almost wears... used the bat today but did not. <laughs> he did not, and Noah wears those tennis issues for a reason (laughs) and the whole iHeart team so don't forget to join us next week for another excellent speaker and another round of pitches and listeners you can start thinking about what your pitch will be and don't forget to like us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter this is Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart from Gerhart Law with Passage to Profit on WOR 710 the voice of New York